Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to Nine Flavors. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is great to see you. Thank you for being here today. I also want to say hi to all those who may be watching online. Thank you for joining us as well. I also want to say happy 4th of July. It's close, and I hope you enjoy your celebrations with your family and friends. This past week was a busy week here at Valley Point Church as we hosted, for the first time in our new home, Vacation Bible School. I want to thank all of the volunteers who made the week so successful I also want to thank thank Dan and Christy McInnes, as well as Deanna Holzer, for their excellent leadership. Can we thank all of them? Can we do that? You saw the images and you heard the stats. Really just a fantastic week here of serving people. I asked you to pray last week for Vacation Bible School, Monday through Friday, as we just opened the doors and welcomed kids and families And I would submit to you that your prayers were answered. It is exciting to see kids come into an environment that is prepared specifically for them and to watch them have fun, but beyond that, watch them and enjoy as they learn about Jesus. And we saw many trust in Jesus alone throughout the week. Really a fantastic week here at Valley Point Church. So thank you to everybody who was involved. Okay, nine flavors. We have been using these two verses over here as our foundation for the summer series where we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Really some pivotal verses in scripture that talk about what the Holy Spirit is cultivating or developing in the lives of those who belong to him. In week one of the series, I talked to you about memorizing these two verses. Do you have them memorized? Are you ready? We're going to have our little quiz today because I have a little eraser here. And so I'm going to begin erasing some words and we're going to see how well we can do. Are we ready, class? All right, let's start with this. (sighs) Can we handle that? together. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Great job. I sense that you are ready for this. So let's just dive into the deep end and get rid of all the fruit. Can we do that? Oh, come on. No whining, it's Sunday morning. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. All right, I sense you have it, so we're just going to get rid of everything. And as you walk out of here today, you're going to be excited because you're going to have two verses of Scripture memorized. What an incredible thing. Okay, let me get rid of these marks because some of you will be bothered by that all morning long if I don't get everything. (laughs) I know you. Okay, are we good? Are we good with that? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Really? some phenomenal verses, and we want this rolling around in our minds. So here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Give yourselves a hand. Great job. I will say that memorizing scripture is a great exercise because when you get frustrated, you can begin to pull some of these words and just say, you know what, I feel like being angry. I feel like responding in a not so loving kind of way. I don't feel at peace, but guess what? The Holy Spirit, he produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, so on and so forth. By the way, when pastors use the phrase so on and so forth, it's because they've forgotten the rest of the list. So that, that's our little secret. So, so on and so forth. We want these things rolling around in our mind because it's beneficial and it's helpful. Now, here's our challenge. To cultivate these things in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, and keep in mind fruit is singular. We don't have an option on picking a few that sound good to us, and I'll develop that, but I'm not good at this fruit over here, so I'll just kind of ignore that. It's singular because all of this should be cultivated in the life of the believer. So how does that happen? I think that's a good question. It's a fair question. How does this fruit get cultivated in our lives? Well, it's when we obey God. It's when we submit to him and follow him and cooperate with him in our lives. It's when we see something in scripture that might poke and hurt a little bit. And I'm not so sure I want to get rid of that or I'm not so sure I want to give that up. It's obeying and submitting and cooperating with the Spirit in our lives, that's when the fruit is cultivated. Last week, Dr. Modica from Eastern University talked to us about the first fruit of love, and he did an excellent job, and he said something very interesting. He said, love is the bowl that holds the rest of the fruit. So when we act in love, well... There can be joy and peace and so on and so forth. But love is the bowl that holds all of the fruit. Today, I have the privilege of talking to you about the next fruit in the list, and that is the fruit of joy. So let's define joy a little bit just so that we have some common ground as we approach this particular fruit. 
Here's joy. Joy is not a fake outward presentation that everything is fine when inward chaos reigns. That's not joy, okay? It's not a fake outward presentation that everything is fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay when inward chaos reigns. Joy is also not the absence of problems, pain, or conflict. And I think that's very important for us to understand. So this is what I want you to know as you think about joy. It is not the absence of problems, pain, or conflict. Some of the most joy-filled people I know are individuals who are in the midst of a difficulty or a storm, or they're walking through intense pain. And it doesn't make any sense that they would have any joy at all. And sometimes you look at them and you say, you know, if, if that were me, no, 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 no joy. That wouldn't be happening. But yet they somehow have this joy in, in the midst of that storm. So joy is not the absence of that stuff. Joy is more than a grin and bear it type of feeling. Joy is not those things. So if it's not that, well, then what is it? I want to share with you a working definition of joy. It is a quality based on the character of God. And this is where we begin when we think about joy. Last week, Dr. Modica talked to us about God is love. That's how you define him. It's not just an aspect of him. God is love. And if you're ever wondering, how do I describe God to other people? Well, God is love. The same exact thing can be said about joy. When you walk through scripture, one of the things you come to understand about the character of God and how he functions and how he works in our lives and how he works in the world is that he is joy. He is joy. So joy is a quality based on the character of God. That's where it begins. That allows me to walk through all of life with happiness now. So here's where this good feeling comes in based on who I am and what I have in God. <laughs> now, I might not have a lot of things going well around me, but when I understand the character of God, that he is joy and that my happiness can be based on who I am in God, a daughter, a son, a child, that's who I am in God, and that can't be taken away from me when I trust in Jesus alone. When I understand who I am in God and what I have, eternal life, and the hope of heaven, well, this is where the feeling of happiness comes. So that's our definition. Joy is a quality, first based on the character of God. He is joy. And that allows me to walk through all of life with happiness based on who I am and what I have in this joy-filled God. Now, here's what a few scholars, some biblical scholars say about joy. In both the Old Testament and New Testament, Joy is consistently the mark, both individually of the believer and corporately of the church, okay? When we think about joy, it is a defining mark of believers. 
But it's not just the mark of a believer. It's the mark of the church. So we, Valley Point Church, should be marked with a level of joy. It is a quality and not simply an emotion. Really important phrase there. It is a quality and not simply an emotion grounded upon God himself and indeed derived from him, which characterizes the Christian's life on earth. So let's do this today. I want to share with you a big idea that will frame our conversation. And then I have some questions I want to ask just to get us thinking about joy and what makes us happy. After that, I have a story from scripture to share with you. It's a delightful story, a joy-filled kind of story from the book of Nehemiah, which is a very important book for us as a church because it helped us with our real home as we were thinking about all of that. We looked to that book. We looked to the person of Nehemiah and what he did and what he said. And so we're going to look at that story. From the story, I'm going to pull some thinking points and then we'll have some takeaways. Okay? Big idea, some questions about joy just to get us thinking. And then we'll have our story from scripture, our paragraphs, some thinking points, and some takeaways. Here we go. Take out your talk notes and get a pen ready so you can fill in these blanks. Here's our big idea. And that is God commands us to be joyful, which is a fascinating thought to me. It's not an option. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is cultivating this in the life of the believer. There is love and there is joy. God commands us to be filled with joy no matter what might be happening around us. And we'll continue to develop that. Okay, some questions. What brings you joy? What makes you happy? What makes your eyes sparkle? As you think about people or things or places, is there something that makes your eyes sparkle? That like, yeah, that's a great thing. And that brings joy and happiness into my life. So what brings you joy? And what makes your eyes sparkle? You probably have a list that is formulating in your mind right now. I'm going to share my list with you. Here we go. How about Linda's Donuts? Oh my goodness. Love her. Never met her. I don't even know if there is a Linda. I'm not sure. But whoever she is or her business, these are incredible things. And I was so excited yesterday because I knew I needed to take this picture. So it gave me an excuse to go buy Linda's Donuts. So in the morning, I'm like, today is the Linda's Donuts day. And I'm going to go to Boots Corner and I'm going to buy these donuts. And I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to eat all of these delightful things. And that brought joy into my life. So Linda's Donuts, love them, love them. How about this? This brings joy into my life. Creed 2. Creed 2 is coming or Rocky 8, whatever you want to call it. Now here's the deal. Get your phones out. November the 21st, that's the release date. It's on my calendar with alarms. I will be there. I hope to see a lot of you as well. The trailer actually came out two or three days ago. I've probably watched it 20 times. 
It's really good. And when I think about Creed 2 and the story and what's happening, oh my goodness. Joy, joy. How about this one? Valley Point Church, right? Yeah. And, and not just the building. That certainly symbolizes us a little bit now. And we're enjoying this and we're able to do something that we hadn't done in a few years like host VBS and have more kids than ever. It's a beautiful thing. But it's not just the building. It's you, your the church. The building can go away and we still exist. We're still Valley Point and you bring so much joy into my life. And when I get the chance to talk about what I do for work and how I get to serve alongside of you, the communities around us. Boy, the the joy just kind of bubbles up inside of me. And I love thinking about and talking about you, Valley Point Church. Love you. I really do. And you bring joy into my life. You make my eyes sparkle. I hope you know that. And then there's one more on my list. Oh, my family. Yeah, there they are. That's my wonderful, beautiful family, and when I think about them, even when there is pain and conflict and turmoil, and that all happens in a family, you know this, that's not new information to you, there is still joy, and when I think about my family and when I talk about them, there is joy. Your list might be similar to that. It at least needs to include creed, and Valley Point Church, and hopefully your family, but there might be a few other things on your list, and that's okay. These are the things that bring us joy, that make us happy. Here's the deal. I want to add something to that list today, maybe a couple of things, and we'll get to that in our thinking points and with our takeaways. I want to add to your family, to your work, whatever it is that brings joy into your life the places and people. I want to add a few things to that. And I believe when we add these things, we will be cultivating the fruit of joy in our lives. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Nehemiah chapter 8 now. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah is an Old Testament book. It comes after the book of Ezra and right before the book of Esther. This book had profound impact on us as a church as we were walking through our campaign a few years ago to enter into a real home. And we loved the story. We identified with it and connected to it, and it really inspired us on our own journey. What you find in the book of Nehemiah is a guy named Nehemiah, and he's working for a different government than what he had grown up with in his life. And news comes to him that his hometown, where he wasn't living and he hadn't seen in a while, his hometown of Jerusalem was in ruins. It was broken. It was just a hot mess. And that bothered him. It disturbed him because he knew the value of a vibrant Jerusalem. And so he begins to pray about this, and God plants it in his heart to do something about the broken walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, I want you to go and fix and repair. And so Nehemiah begins that process, and along the way, so many God stories of what God did for Nehemiah and how God provided financing and 
God provided safe passage to the city of Jerusalem. He got there, he walked around and realized this place is a disaster. But in a very short time, the people came together. They were unified and they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, which meant Jerusalem could thrive once again. Well, what we discover in chapter 8 is that the walls are rebuilt, there is unity, people are really excited, there is joy in the city because of what has happened. So Nehemiah calls Ezra the priest, and he says, let's celebrate a little bit because the work is done. We have joy. Let's celebrate. So here's what we find. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October the 8th, just a short time after all of this work, after all of this construction, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon, I want you to remember that time frame. It's kind of a long time. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. And here's what he did. He read aloud to everyone who could understand. And all the people listened closely to the book of the law. Keep in mind, they didn't have a copy of the books that Moses wrote. It had to be read to them. And so they're excited about this and they're listening closely, the text tells us. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Can you imagine? What what an incredible scene this must have been. The walls are coming together. There's enthusiasm. And Ezra and Nehemiah gather the people. Ezra stands up and he opens up the books of Moses, the book of the law, and out of respect for that, the people stand. And keep in mind, he read from early morning until noon. Wow, we're not gonna do that today, okay? But what a sight this must have been. Verse six, then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down, and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. In other words, something unique happened here. There's joy in the city. The walls are coming together. People are excited. The word of God is read to them, and they stand up out of respect, but then they are deeply moved. On the inside, just deeply moved by what the word of God said to them, that they they got really low. Scripture tells us they they got on their face before God because they recognized their human condition that was revealed to them. So, So they get on the ground. The Levites, the other priests, then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. So there's more being taught about the word of God here. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep, right? You got the scene? 
They're standing. They recognize their human condition based on what was revealed to them in the word of God. They get really low and they're weeping as it's explained to them. And Ezra and Nehemiah say, don't mourn or weep on a day like this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And then verse 10 tells us, Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. I think that's kind of funny. So Nehemiah recognizes there should be a level of joy here. We know you're broken over what you're understanding about your own life based on what the word of God says, but there should be joy here. So food, everybody go and get some food, please. Rich food and sweet drinks. And that's what happened. Oh, and by the way, share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. So do this to bring joy back into your life. Sweet food, rich food, sweet drinks, and then share, give it away, generosity. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected. That word dejected in the Hebrew means don't be grieved. And at the root of it, it means don't be hurt or don't be in pain. So they were feeling it, but Nehemiah's like, up, rich food, sweet drinks, don't be hurt, don't be in pain, don't be grieved, don't be dejected. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't weep. For this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great, here's our word, say it with me, joy. Yeah, so the people went away to eat and drink, to celebrate with great joy because, here's where it comes from, they had heard God's words and understood them. (laughs) Heard God's words and they understood them. Let me pull some thinking points right out of our story. Number one, sacred days bring joy. I hope you know that and that you understand it and you feel that when you're a part of a sacred day like this. Sacred days have the ability to bring joy into our lives. Secondly, God's word brings joy. That was also part of the equation. It was a sacred day of celebration, but what made it so special is that God's word was emphatically proclaimed. Here's what it says. Here's the book of the law that made the people weep and change. God's word brings joy. It has the ability to help us get right. This happens. The gospel tells us the great news about God the Father and how he loves us. And when we trust in Jesus alone, we can have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's great news. The word of God helps us to understand the richness of God's forgiveness, which is available to all of us. That's right here. That's found within the word of God. God's word helps us to see that we have a future filled with hope in spite of what might be happening around us right now. 
God's word has the ability to fill us with joy. That's why it's so necessary. And thirdly, time with God allows joy to be fully expressed. So there is a direct tie here to the people being excited about what was happening in their community, about what God was doing through them. And then the word of God is opened. They're broken a little bit by that, but their leaders encourage them to stand up. This is a sacred day. Go eat, get something to drink. And from that, joy was fully expressed as they, well, as they shared. Before I share the takeaways... I want to speak to a tension that no doubt some of you feel right now. As we talk about joy and happiness, and it's based on the character of God, and when I understand who I am and what I have in God, there should be happiness within me. And you get that. Intellectually, you understand that to be the case. And you desire to have joy in God. You want that, but you're here, and you know the worst thing for you is to hear somebody say, just cheer up, just smile a little bit, get over it, try harder, and you'll have this joy. Again, you understand joy in the Lord intellectually, and you want that, but you're in a place where Hearing some of this is very discouraging to you, and it's not a reality for you. I want you to know there is a difference between reaching out to God in the midst of life storms and trusting in that and leaning into that even when there are difficulties around us. There is a difference between that and suffering from real clinical depression. There's a difference. And if you're suffering from depression, please get help. Get help. And I would like to help you take that next step. If you're wondering, what does that mean? And I want to be happy in God, but I'm not sure how to get there because I have this depression eating away inside of me. I would love to sit down with you and talk to you about some great next steps. So there's a difference between saying, hang on to God, smile through it, and somebody suffering from real depression. If that's you, seek help. I will say this though. I've talked to a lot of people, some who struggle with depression and many who don't, who do find hope, even if it's just a little bit, who do find hope in reaching out to a loving heavenly father's hand and allowing that to carry them through life's difficulties. It is a real thing and it can sustain and it can help. Okay, let me share some takeaways. There's three of them. Number one, place yourself under the teaching of God's word. If you want to cultivate joy in your life, then do what you're doing today. Great choice, I believe. Place yourself under the authoritative teaching of the word of God and view this, what we're doing right now, responding to the greatness of God and song and in prayer and placing ourselves under the authority of God's word. This is a sacred day. This is a sacred moment. So view it as more than a religious obligation. (laughs) Sometimes we do that, don't we? All right, I went to church. That's my religious thing for the week. So I can kind of check that off. I'm good. I'm done. 
I want you to view this as more than that, more than a religious obligation. View it as an exercise of cultivating joy in your life because sacred days do bring joy. That can happen. Secondly, time with God. Time with God outside of here. You on your own, make it happen. Time with God, make it happen. Again, when we are in the word of God, this grows joy within us, and that's a great thing. So time with God, make it happen. And then thirdly, this is very practical, go share a meal with someone, okay? I have given this takeaway before. I believe it's beautiful because... When we have the opportunity to share a meal with someone, there is something unifying about that. Food can do that. Rich food, sweet drinks. When we share that with people, people who we may even disagree with from time to time, when we share a meal together, all of a sudden all of that comes down and we have the chance to converse in some good ways. And we find that here in the book of Nehemiah after some sorrow, after some brokenness. Nehemiah said, rich food, enjoy, sweet drinks, go get it. Oh, and by the way, share that with someone who is not prepared. And so I would encourage you, if you feel down, If there's not a measurable level of joy in your life right now, maybe the greatest thing you can do, get here, place yourself under the authoritative teaching of the word of God, and then go share a meal with somebody. That'd be a great step to take. I love what author Ed Dobson uh, says about this whole meal thing. He describes it this way. In the evangelical church, we focus on attending services, teaching Sunday school, becoming an elder or deacon, singing in the choir, getting involved in a small group and exercising our spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. Almost everything we do is focused on ourselves. That's a sobering thought. A lot of what we do in the church is focused on ourselves and he says, and all of that is good. So it's not a bad thing. It's good to do that. But God says through the prophet Hosea that this is not enough. It's not enough. What God wants more than anything else is that we show mercy to those who desperately need it. And that comes out in Nehemiah chapter eight. You enjoy rich food and sweet drinks, but be ready to share that with someone in need. And when we do that, joy, joy, it arrives in our lives. So place yourself under the teaching of God's word. Time with God, make it happen. And then you think about a meal and you share that with somebody and have a great time. And why do we do all of that? Why do we do this? Well, back to the big idea. It's because God commands us to be joyful. He commands us. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for a few moments to look at this great story in Nehemiah chapter 8. What a great thing that happened for that city, for Nehemiah and his people. 
as they unified themselves around a cause, there was vision clarity and they ran to that and they accomplished the task in a short amount of time and then they got ready to celebrate and boy, they got convicted. But Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites, the priests, the leaders there, picked them back up and said, today is a sacred day. It's a sacred day. Look at what's happening around us. The wall is built and the city is being rejuvenated again. And so you go out and you enjoy a meal and you share this with other people and let joy be in your life. Don't have this hurt or this pain. And so God, we're probably all in different places when it comes to this joy factor. Some of us may be here today and be filled with joy for a variety of reasons. God, help us to keep placing ourselves under your authoritative teaching, even when we feel good. Help us to do that. God, maybe there are some here today who are in the middle of pain and a storm is enveloping around them and threatening to submerge them. God, you see them, you know them, and I pray that you would use your word today to encourage. God, I pray for those who may be suffering from depression and they hear all this and they want it, but just have no idea how to find their way out of a hole. I pray that you would help them to seek help because help is available and joy can return. So God, as we embark on a new week, as we celebrate our nation's birthday on the 4th here, God, I pray that we would be a faith community that is filled with joy. Individually fill us with joy, but as a community, help that joy to just be something that is visible and seen where we live, work, and play. God, help us to do that this week, to cultivate this fruit of joy in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.